0: Welcome to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio, where we explore pathways to health for self, society, and the planet. We are home to a range of voices, as there is no single roadmap for meeting the challenges of our times. Tune in each week to expand your perspective, deepen your attention, and cultivate practices that support personal, communal, and global health. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Now, here's your host. Welcome, everyone. I'm Annie Levin, and this is Precipice, a show that aspires to stand at the edge, the edge of what we know, what we understand, what's familiar or comfortable, to see what conversations emerge from there. We invite guests willing to explore that terrain with us. They may be expert in certain things, but none of us are expert in navigating this troubled time. So we will be wondering out loud together. I'm thrilled today to be speaking to Robin Rose Bennett. Robin Rose is a writer, herbalist, green witch, and wise woman who loves the earth and gives voice to the healing wild food and medicine plants that surrounds us. She's the author of Healing Magic, a Green Witch guidebook, and The Gift of Healing Herbs, Plant Medicines, and Home Remedies for a Vibrantly Healthy Life She believes that common plants are our teachers and that weeds and wildflowers show us the joyful abundance and generosity of nature. She helps women and men learn ways of compassion and intuition, magical rituals celebrating the cycles of life, death, and rebirth, and ways to honor the sacred web of life. Since 1986, Robin Rose has taught at schools, clinics, progressive and holistic organizations, Herbal Conferences, and is a repeat guest lecturer at Albert Einstein College of Medicine, St. John's Hospital, Montefiore Teaching Hospital, Beth Israel's Nursing Program, and Brown University Medical School. She's a faculty member of the New York Open Center and author of two meditation CDs. She has a private consultation practice in New Jersey and teaches as an herbalist in residence at a family medical practice in the Bronx, New York. Hundreds of apprentices have graduated from her three-year in-depth apprenticeship programs over the past 25 years, and thousands of students benefit from her regular classes, as well as her free classes that she regularly offers in her community. I'm one of those lucky apprentices, currently in my second year of study with Robin Rose. As I've mentioned a few times on Precipice so far, my work with plants over the last year and a half has transformed how I see and live in relationship with the world. I'm so happy to be having this conversation today. Welcome, Robin Rose.
1: Oh, Thank you, Annie. It's wonderful to be here with you. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. Um, I'm wondering just as, as a, a starting point, if you can describe a little bit of how you came to your work with plants.
1: I came to my work with plants because I was already um, involved in spiritual healing work. And I had found that that really transformed. Um, it, it transformed my life uh, to find uh, to find the, the spiritual thread of interconnection woven uh, amongst all people and all beings. And at a certain point, after years, I began to see that I wanted something that was going to take this very valuable gem of of wisdom the wisdom of interconnection and take it out of the invisible realm and bring it into the visible realm and so what that did was it it kind of took me out of my head and my intellect and brought me home to my body and the earth and that really is the the root um that took me, uh, that brought me to the plants. Mm.
0: It's, it's interesting that you mentioned the body in that I was, I was rereading your books in anticipation of our conversation. And um, there's a lot of times that you mention that bodies don't mislead or lie. And that's such a powerful statement and one that's so not necessarily what we get told in this culture. And I'm wondering if you could speak to about the body a bit and, and the wisdom of the body.
1: Yes, um, we, we the, the body is the wisest part of us in a certain way and certainly the most honest part of us. The body doesn't lie and most of us are disconnected to a certain degree, you know, how much, how little depends on the person, how they live, their training, uh, past personal experiences, and so on. Um, it's it's taken me years to, to really come into my physical being, to be embodied. And one of the things is, um, here, here's a little story. I remember one day I was um, looking, I was in the country, in an unfamiliar place, and I was looking for an herb that I wanted to make a medicine with, and I didn't know where it was, and, and anyway, I, I found it, and then I went back home at, to where I was staying, and hours later, I, ca- I decided to go back with my you know jar and my olive oil to the St. John's wort plant and, and make my medicine, only I couldn't remember where it was. And I walked this way and that way and this way and that way to try to find it. And, and the more I couldn't find it, the more kind of, you know, confused I got about it. And then I thought about, well, what about this wisdom of the body? You teach about it. How, how can you apply that here? And I remember this so vividly. I got really quiet. I closed my eyes. And I stood still. And I very, very slowly turned in a circle. And when I just let my body lead and, and my body stopped in a certain place and I walked in that direction that my body had faced and in about six, seven, eight minutes I was standing at the patch of plants I had been searching for. My body knew where it was. That, that's one um, example I could give. And, and the thing is, consider to the The um, which by the way was incredibly exciting, it was such an affirmation that my body knew exactly where you it remembered where where that plant was that my mind couldn't find. Um, but I think too about the the what you're talking about on precipice, right, and about about being on the edge, and we look at how much illness. How, how much physical challenges that people are going through in the world. And it's like your body is saying, hey, you really have to, you have to pay attention. We're on overload. We can't, we can't just think away these problems. Our bodies are not, um, they're not okay. Right? We're, we see so much illness. We see so much increase in cancer. We see so many children sick. We see asthma. We see, you know, the emotional disturbances. So that's uh, that's part of what I mean when I say the body doesn't lie. The body, you know, it's it's it reflects back to us the state of our world, and then more immediately, it reflects back to us the state of our um, our days, our nights, our relationships, our relation to our work. Um, You know, I started when I was very, very young, and I really tried in that wonderful way that we do to use the herbs to override my body. You know, Mm -hmm. and to, to, so, so, uh, let me actually just say that a different way. As an herbalist, one of the things I see that we can do is we can use herbs to help people listen to their bodies and respond to the truth of the messages. Like maybe the message is, I'm exhausted, right? I'm overwhelmed. Um, this air isn't, isn't okay for my lungs, I can't breathe it. Or we can use the herbs to try to shut our bodies up and override the messages they're giving us. So obviously, I hope it's obvious that it's wiser to use our herbs to heed the messages of our body and heal rather than, um, you know, try to shut them up, essentially. You know, shut up the messenger. Mm-hmm.
0: It sounds like I've noticed you have a lot of compassion, though, for how, how hard it is to, to do that, to listen to the body, having I mean, grown up in this
1: culture. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, I was, I was um, young, a young woman on my way to California in a big fight with my parents because I was going to move and I was going to drive my car cross country. And they said, you can't go. And I said, yes, I am. And they said, you can't go. And I said, yes, I am. And before I could leave, I slipped and fell and broke my ankle in my driveway. Well, interestingly, right, and I was really, really, really mad. And interestingly, what happened was I met the two teachers who were going to help me transform how I lived my life. My body says, all right, she's not listening. We'll just break her ankle for her. And the truth is, is that our bodies love us so much that they're even willing to get sick to help us evolve. Mm -hmm.
0: I also have a broken ankle story (laughs) that happened on the tail end of a four and a half month road trip where I had been going, 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 and I was so tired and I just kept going. And then I broke my ankle and I I didn't go anywhere for about 6 weeks. <laughs> so. Yeah, so
1: what we want to do is, is is yes, we want to have compassion for how hard it, it is for us to listen, but we also want to want to wise up and listen. We we want to, you know, it's important. It's important to learn to not make our our world our bodies um, you know, continue to go so far to get our attention. Isn't it isn't it easier and healthier and happier to actually learn how to listen. So for people who, who want to learn how to listen
0: but maybe don't have a lot of practice doing that, do you have any thoughts on, on where to start, on how to begin listening to the body?
1: Well, e- essentially all, any, any at all growth requires that we're willing to give it time and space. There's just no way around it. So it, that means you have to slow down. That's where you start. Whether slowing down means you take five minutes out of your day to focus on breathing in and out, or you take five minutes—I'm—you I'm, know—looking here, let's say bare minimum. You know, there's so many avenues in. The—the the thing is, every—everybody has to—not has to—everybody um, can choose from such a, a myriad of ways to listen because you can. You can do this in a way that brings you joy. It doesn't have to be an arduous task. So you know, for me, it's it's going outside. It's putting my feet on the earth, um, which I started when when I first was becoming an herbalist and living in the heart of the beautiful island of Manhattan. Right, and still there was always a place I could put my feet on the earth, and so. Because what happens, so here's here's the thing, is that what happens is when you give a little time and space to connecting with nature, that begins to tune you in. That begins to tune you into your body and your whole being. So I mean if you want like a really specific exercise, somebody can I, I just you know I'm not sure that I we're, that I'm providing enough of a framework of where you know of where I'm coming from with this, but for example, Somebody could sit down with their back uh, to a tree that they love. They might know what kind of tree it is. They might not know what kind of tree it is. And they could breathe from their heart center to that tree. And if there's something that's going on in their body that they've been avoiding, um, running from, just by breathing and being in touch with nature... It begins to put you in touch with yourself, which includes your body, mm-hmm. right? Or it could be yeah. if someone takes a takes um, a bath, right? And they they put some lavender in the bath, and they light a candle, nice beeswax candle, and they lie in the bath for 20 minutes. It's going to put you, you know, more in touch than if you are zipping from, you know, YouTube to your, you know, you know you're know, you're running around. Mm-hmm. Does that help? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And in talking, you mentioned slowing down and how key that is and how it allows us to connect with the body, but also connect some of the ideas you offered involved connecting with nature. And you mentioned that plants were... Were your way in to moving from a spirituality that was maybe a bit more in your head or floating above the earth to one that really was embodied? Yes, absolutely. And then one, yeah. And I wonder if you can talk a bit about about plants and and what role they've played for you and what role you think they might play for for all of us.
1: Plants are. Our elders on the earth—they have been here far longer than we have, and the plants are healers by their very nature. That is their—that is who they are. Um, one of my uh, mentors or guides, uh, Kiway Dunokway, an Anishinaabe herbalist and scholar, said, "Of all the creatures of the earth, the plants have remained truest to their original instructions." which is to give of themselves generously to all creatures. So here we have, you know, so to me, herbal medicine isn't like a commodity. It's not a thing. What, what we're doing is we're learning that the, the plants, these elders, these teachers have medicine for us in heart, mind, body, and soul. And what's happening right now is there's an absolute evolution of consciousness going on, and people are recognizing that they are hungry and thirsty for this connectedness, for this evolution of mind, heart, body, and soul. Um, So the plants are here, ready and waiting, right? willing, willing teachers, and they have their own, um, they're kind of their own healing of the spirit uh, in addition to their physical healing that they offer to us. And always, and I very rarely say always or never, but always what I see is that there is a mirror between the physical healing a plant offers and its spiritual healing. Um, Maybe let's take a a common herbal medicine like... um, Oh, and and the other thing, Annie, is as we often talk about in circles, is that it is the most common abundant plants that are the most important plants it's the weeds, the ones that have this vital uh, survival energy that have the most to offer us. It, we want to know the plants that grow outside our front door, whether we live in the city or we're in the middle of the, of the forest, because those are the plants that are showing up for us. And um, so, for example, if we took a plant like um, nettles, stinging nettles, that that a good one we can use as an example, stinging nettles. Stinging nettles has as much or more chlorophyll as any plant on the planet. And stinging nettle is a plant that increases your your vital energy. It works on on helping your adrenal glands. It helps in blood diseases. It helps um, provide iron and, as I said, chlorophyll. So it's very strengthening. In other words, it's a strengthening plant. And then if we look at the spirit of metal, it is also about respect. And it is reflected in the fact that this wonderful, edible, medicinal, delicious green plant in its raw form is completely covered with formic acid that stings you if you touch it. Right? And so it's saying, like, you can't just grab onto me. You can't just take me and I, me, nettles, right? I, my body is sacred space. And so when I, Robin, or you, Annie, take that plant into you in the form of a cooked vegetable or an herbal tea or an herbal infusion, um, you are imbibing not only the chemicals and vitamins and minerals and metals, but you're imbibing that spirit. It's helping you to recognize that your body your being is sacred space. You absolutely are entitled to respect. So the plant is reflecting that in its very um, makeup. As I got into this story I'm telling, I'm not sure if I remember the original question. Have I answered it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think so, or begun to I mean it's a huge question, but yeah. it was a question about
1: say more uh, about it. just ask me the question. Tell me the question again. Sure it was just a question about
0: about connecting with plants and and the body and and how plants are a way in.
1: Right, how, how the plants help us. So this is something yeah. I did want to say. I'm, I'm glad you repeated it, because in in our Western culture, typically our idea of spirituality is a transcendent spirituality. It's something that is supposedly somehow, higher than the body, right? And certainly higher than those pesky emotions and feelings, right? The very things that make us human, in other words. And it, it's as if the teaching is just transcend this human thing. And and what the plants have done, and not just for me, for so many, many, many people, I see it all the time. Um, and I see it with, I see it, I'm so grateful uh, to them because what they do is they bring us into imminent spirituality, not imminent i m m a n e n t imminence the 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 know the knowledge the knowing that everything is made up of the same substance everything's made up of the same stuff, the same energy we know this i mean scientifically we know this through physics right but this is also um there's not a higher and lower here, right? And in fact, it's the, the the thinking is 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 misleading because really to become fully human is what we're here for, to become fully human, just as nettles knows who nettles is, the maple tree knows who it is. It doesn't wish it was a willow tree. It really doesn't, right? And so when I take these things into me or I connect to them in some way or other. I bathe in them or I eat them you know, or I have maple syrup, whatever it might be. That's also part of the medicine I'm getting is be who I am authentically, fully, 100%. And then what happens to people is they become more fully human. They become more humane. They become more humane. They're not coming from fear and separation. Uh, So there's this amazing blend of the uniqueness of each being coming together without having the connectedness threaten that uniqueness. In fact, it feeds the uniqueness. So so for me, one of the things that I see is that my entry into spirituality, into understanding that we are all one, we are all mirrors of one another, we are all connected, was a very beautiful, profound, transformative thing, but it didn't make me happy. It, it made my heart open. It, 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 I had love in my being for, for others in a, in a new way to a new level, but it didn't make me personally happy. What I see with the plant medicine, and I don't know that I can explain why this is, um, is it makes people happy. It made me happy. It made me happy. It made to be in a body alive on the earth. It's like there's this joy that comes with this with the connection to nature and with the realization of how alive everything is. And in my particular case, it's the focusing in comes through the plant people mm-hmm.
0: it's It's so interesting because one of the most amazing things for me in beginning to study the plants with you has been. That very experience of, of realizing how much miraculous stuff is happening all around me. <laughs> that yes. that that the that the the daily and seasonal patterns and, and m- movements of the world are magical.
1: Precisely, um, reality is, is magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and when when you when you begin to experience that what we call the mundane is incredibly magical. You know, you watch a bee pollinating a flower. It's it, it's it's a revelation. Well, Everything we're th- looking for is already here. Mm.
0: We need to take a short break, but maybe we can pick back up with that conversation in just a minute. Uh, my guest today is writer and herbalist Robin Rose Bennett, author of Healing Magic, a Green Witch Guidebook to Conscious Living and the gift of healing herbs, plant medicines, and home remedies for a vibrantly healthy life. You can find out more about Robin Rose at RobinRoseBennett.com. That's R-O-B-I-N-R-O-S-E-B-E-N-N-E-T-T dot com. And we will be right back.
2: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. In these times of converging crisis, the world needs us now more than ever before. Revolutionary Wellness Magazine is devoted to amplifying, inspiring voices facing challenging realities head-on. Opening up new places of power and inviting curiosity about the paths we might take toward personal, communal, and global health. The magazine aspires to help us become the change we wish to see in the world, co creating the more beautiful world we know to be possible. Join us on this journey. Log on and subscribe to Revolutionary Wellness Magazine today at revolutionarywellnessmagazine.com. Do you know that you were born to experience revolutionary wellness? Have you wondered why extraordinary physical, mental, and emotional health has eluded you? Do you know that your infinite personal power resides right here in the present moment? People all over the world are awakening to their birthright, Revolutionary Wellness. Subscribe today at RevolutionaryWellnessMagazine.com and begin your journey into the mystery. Engage with experts in topics of nourishment, wisdom, and empowerment. Develop mental clarity. Live wholeheartedly and be empowered to live an authentic life of passion and purpose. The world now more than ever need you to feel revolutionarily well. Explore and integrate new ways of being. Learn to access your own unique treasure, the wisdom that is right there inside you, waiting to be revealed. Experience a renewed, vivid, and nourishing relationship with yourself and the world around you. Log on and subscribe to Revolutionary Wellness Magazine today and experience the publication devoted to your journey toward extraordinary health and well-being. RevolutionaryWellnessMagazine.com Your life, your health, your network. Voice America Health and Wellness.
0: You're listening to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Our hosts are clinicians of mind and body medicine and lifestyle change. They are writers, activists, educators, and change agents. You can reach the show and our hosts at experiencerevolutionarywellness.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome back to Precipice. I'm Annie Levin, and my guest today is herbalist and writer Robin Rose Bennett, who for more than 30 years has been teaching people about the healing wild food and medicinal plants that surround us. Before the break, we were talking a little bit about magic. And before we go back there, I'm wondering, Robin, there's a really beautiful poem that you wrote uh, towards the beginning of Healing Magic, and I'm wondering if you'd be willing to read it.
1: Yes, I am definitely willing to read it. It's called The Times We're Living In. On the other side of all this deathing, an intensive labor is going on. It is easy to see the deathing, but not so easy to see what is birthing beneath the surface of the world, getting ready to emerge like a newborn crowning. On the other side of all this deathing, as old ways of domination and violation fight to hold sway, a great birthing has begun. The birth of a new way of being in the world. A way of reconnection and shared power. A way of cooperation and love. We are flowering out of the mud of our darkest time of separation. Evolving from the time of me to the time of we. This time is difficult, yes, but it is also juicy and joyous. It is not easy to soar through mud, but mud is rich and fertile, and out of mud, the lotus blooms.
0: Thank you. I love him. There's another quote from Healing Magic that is, I think, shortly after that poem. You say, Just as parents must draw the line sometimes to let children know when their behavior is unacceptable, Earth, the ancient mother of us all, has been demonstrating that we contemporary humans have crossed too many lines of objectionable, even intolerable behavior. The Earth is calling us to consciousness through her climactic and geographic changes, through her increasing inability to feed us from depleted soil and polluted waters. These and more are the consequences of treating the earth like a giant manufacturing plant plant, or a warehouse filled with an endless stock of resources to plunder, rather than as a conscious home providing for billions of creatures. The earth needs us to grow up. She needs people of privilege, people who are not starving and surviving at subsistence levels, to take back our power to support the healing of life on earth. So I'm, I'm thinking about the poem you read and, the, and this quote, that we're in this time of, of shifting and of, of a great birthing, of a moving from a time of me to a time of we. And there's this real demand that we grow up. And I'm wondering if you might speak a bit to what your thoughts are on what it looks like to grow up right now.
1: Mmm, okay. it's juicy. What it looks like to grow up. Well, it looks like um, understanding that what I do to you, I do to myself. What I do for you, I do for myself. I can't um, be unkind to you and not be being unkind to me. Growing up means understanding, seeing, feeling the truth of our mutual web, the web of life that we're all dancing this dance together. I also think real maturing and evolving has a tendency to bring us into more humor, more joy, and more present awareness Um. And not not like uh, you know every single moment one is uh, acting from total enlightenment. I'm certainly not saying that, but there's a willingness to take responsibility. Um, there's a willingness to uh, laugh at oneself. There's a willingness to risk um, being vulnerable. Um, so that's some of the things. It looks like it looks like it looks like fun. It looks like kindness. It almost looks like. It almost looks like a child, childhood, but with the the awareness and maturity of an adult.
0: Hmm. Well, and that makes me think about magic. <laughs> that I'm, I'm, I'm pausing because what you said resonates really deeply, even as in some respects it, it goes against, you know, when I hear it's time to grow up, there's, there is a seriousness to that in that it's really important. But the but it but there is something really important about play and I, I guess I'm thinking about what what is the state of being that that if it comes through in us sort of is the source of the the energy that we need to really act in protection of the earth right now. And and heaviness and seriousness at least alone, don't feel like they would necessarily animate the kind of action and the kind of care that we need to offer.
1: No, nor do they inspire people to want to join you in your efforts, whereas joy does. It's, it's so you know, obvious when we see in our, um, in our marches and in our uh, gatherings, in our, in our um, standing up and speaking up, wherever there's uh, theater, wherever there's street theater and puppetry and um, humor, in the in the actual gatherings, it's uh, there's more energy. There literally is more energy. You know, it, it's uh, you know what was I can't remember whose quote this is. I've heard Caroline Casey quote it, saying, you know, if we're if we're not having fun, we're not serious enough yet. Mm-hmm. And I love that because you know we take everything so heavy, so serious, and that's not what moves energy. Right, magic, right, moving energy. Um, I mean, to me, magic is the extraordinary reality that's already here, that underlies everything that is more obvious. Just like, as in the poem, I'm saying that the the deathing is obvious, the birthing not so much. Right. I mean, we have to look much deeper to see how there are groups, communities mushrooming up all over. The Earth saying, "No, no, no! We're not going to do it this way anymore. We're going to feed one another. We're going to grow our food. We're going to, uh, you know, build this community playhouse together." Um, no, we don't. We don't buy this story. No, we're not going to accept, um, you know, pesticides in our food. No, we're not going to let you, you know, and so on and so forth. So the, um, you know, magic really has to do with live with. Um, well, it has to do with engaging that extraordinary reality. You know, we don't need to know how we can turn things around. What we need to know is that we're devoted to that. What we need to know is that we're committed to that. What we need to know is what we're saying yes to and what we're saying no to. There's power in that. There, there are natural forces at work that are completely have our backs when we learn how to ask them. And we learn how to ask these powers that be through engaging in things such as, for example, rituals. Humanity has always engaged in simple rituals, well, simple or complex, take your pick. Um, um, just for example, we're, we're talking as we're getting very close to the summer solstice. Summer solstice has been celebrated for as long as there have been human beings. And you know, one of the things I was originally taught was, if no one was helping to turn this wheel of the year, it would stop turning. And because there's never been a time when no one was marking the cycles of the seasons, we don't know, that may be true. But what I see is that people are awakening to want this ritual in their lives. You see people coming from one tradition to another, to another, to another, and saying, okay, it's time to share, it's time to teach. This is missing. And if you're missing this, you're missing, like, life. You're missing the point. And so we are in the process of reconnecting ourselves with these natural cycles, with these natural energies that we are part of and made of, the air, the fire, the water, and the earth. And everything is here to support us. We need to learn how to. And and I also see that when we do that which we truly love in service to that which we truly love, the ways open up to continue. So everybody doesn't have to look and say, "Ah, Oh, God, I hate doing that, but this is what's needed, so I'll do that. No, no, no. No, know who you are. Like Find it like in terms of what you said earlier about the growing up. Know who you are. Find out who you are, um, and even that we can go back to the very earliest part of our conversation, and where we talked about, you know, the body telling the truth. When you are doing something that is really truthful to your being, your whole body feels better. Your whole body feels good. If I'm writing, I get happy. If I'm out in nature, I get happy. There's there's things that now I'm not saying that we don't have some aspects of what we do that are that are not they're not all going to be our favorite things you know i have to do a lot of paperwork and scheduling to teach classes i love teaching the classes i don't necessarily love the paperwork and the scheduling right so it's not all one thing but i'm saying in the in the how you focus your energy because that's another thing that growing up looks like you learn how to focus your energy to go towards desired results or to bring um, to bring into being desired results. So that, that's another another piece of it. But what I um, have seen in, in many ways is that everything is, it's like allies are standing by. Allies are standing by. What we need to do is decide what we're devoted to and then the way to enact that devotion to a healthy planet, to 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 stop the poisoning of our water, um, to to not take the tops off of the mountains. The way to bring about these changes, right, begins to open up. And essentially, Annie, we, we need to gather the power of the people. Right? We need to gather the power of the people. And so I guess I will add something very pivotal, which is we get very, um, we get hung up And we get held back when we put so much energy into like the checklist of, you know, what makes one a good, a good edge walker, what makes one a good progressive, what makes one a, oh, oh, you didn't fulfill that category. Oh, no, now we can't work together anymore. We are at, we are at a precipice and we need to be able to unite with our divides. We can, we can have differences and still hold the container of the bigger dedication and devotion to, you know a, to a, a healthy planet where children are fed and smiling, and, and where we have time to enjoy life. Right? We're in a we're in a pretty um, revved up, ramped up uh, um, way of living, at least in the West, and and, and um, to in order. In order to have the uh, you know the material things that we think are so important that don't really um, don't really make life rich and juicy and fun. Mm. You
0: mentioned the having that we don't need to know the exact path forward, but we need to know what we're devoted to. Yeah, and and you also talked about serious fun and that way of, uh, and play. And I'm wondering if you can think of an example of a time where you or someone that you worked with didn't know exactly what the path forward was, but knew what that devotion was and, and moved in that direction and,
1: and what happened. Oh boy. I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of examples. uh, The ones that are coming into my thoughts right now are about work, about people who said, well, what I really want to do is, you know, I want to to help people with plants. I want to teach about, you know, herbal medicine, but I don't see a place for me to do that. I'm a nurse. I'm a, you know, I'm a this, I'm a that. And uh, I watch as they somehow magically manifest um, these jobs that then, like I, I remember one gal, now this goes back even like quite a ways to when, uh, you know, at least on the East Coast of the, of the States. People didn't really, you know, they didn't even know what herbs were. Um, so, a, you know, in terms of herbal medicine, and yet she managed to um, find a, an AIDS clinic in New York City where they let her be the witch in the back, where they let her be the witch in the back and, uh, you know, and work right alongside the doctors and the nurses and have their... Um, the people come back to her for herbal support as well. Now she, she couldn't have imagined that job it didn't exist yet. The job didn't exist yet. Mm-hmm. And yet she knew from her heart what she really wanted to do, and it appeared. It appeared. And I, I have seen things like that happen over and over and over again. I mean, we call it synchronicity as well. And it's true that the more attuned you are to how everything is connected energetically, the more synchronicity you experience. You walk right into that person who, has, who knows the person who has the piece of land you've been looking for. I see this happen all the time. That's another, you know, bona fide example that's coming to my mind by the, as soon as we finish the show, I'm sure I'll think of, you know, 10, 20 more. (laughs) Um,
0: You teach a lot about, about ritual and, and, and a lot about various practices that involve actually doing something. And Earlier in the, in the conversation, we talked about that there's forms of spirituality that sort of stay a little bit above the world or, or about transcending the world versus really coming down to earth. And I'm wondering about devotion. So if, if I know what I'm devoted to, how might I enact that devotion in my daily life in, in such a way that might really give it more ground?
1: Well, here's a funny thing, Annie. I decided to just experiment with exactly what we're talking about, just for fun. And I opened my non-magic book, my sort of less magical book, The Gift of Healing Herbs, the herbal medicine book. And I just said to myself, all right, let's just see what it opens to as she asked me this question. And listen to what I opened to. I opened to White Birch Bark Ritual. <laughs> How cool is this? I, I love. It. See, that's the kind of this kind of simple magic gives me the greatest pleasure because it's just fun. So I open to this page and I read White Birch Bark Ritual. Gather some white birch bark from a fallen tree or branch, let it dry thoroughly. Um, white birch bark peels off the tree in strips and represents shedding what is no longer needed, what you've outgrown yet may still be clinging to. It is often used in rituals related to death and rebirth. And then I give a a, a practical world world caution to never peel the bark off all the way around a living tree because that can seriously harm or even kill the tree. So in a ritual like that, we tend to write down something on the birch bark that we want to release, something that we're kind of stuck in that's no longer serving. And then we bless it for whatever kind of... purpose it served for the time that we held on to, say maybe it's being very defensive and hiding our true light because we're afraid, right? And then we give that to the fire and we say, okay, fire, help me in this releasing. And in this releasing, what I want to rebirth is my courage to follow through on the fact that I really want to be involved in learning about and teaching about plants that heal water, because I love water so much. Now that's something that you initiate something with the ritual. The ritual doesn't do it, but that you have now proclaimed to the universe, to the world, to the universe, that you this is your devotion. And the universe will step in and help you find your way to do that. There's nothing that I have to say to prove this what I would say instead is try it and see experiment, have fun with it um, but that would be an example in answer to your question of a simple ritual that could help you in living your devotion because our our you know our wise inner self, already knows what we want, who we are, and our wise inner self responds to childlike honesty, childlike trust. So it's this it's this dance of in a way of awareness and innocence, openness to magic. Um, it's a way of being in the world where everything becomes magical. And all I can say is, wow, it really makes getting up every day a lot more fun. And a lot more juicy and a lot more like with a sense of potential and promise. And we're suffering so much from so much depression and anxiety and kind of shutting down, shutting down, shutting down. And so these simple things, as you know from your own experience, these kind of simple acts, they help us open back up. And then when something actually happens that we've asked for, then that helps us open a bit more and a bit more and a bit more. So, we need to be willing to risk. You know, maybe that seems foolish to some people. Are you willing to risk that in order to have a magical life, in order to be, feel connected with the air, the fire, the water, the earth, with your, you know, with everything that's living on planet Earth with you? I think that's worthy. I think that's really worthy. Um, and th- my sense of this time is that, yes, it is beyond urgent and dire. It is so urgent and dire that we can't be um, we can't be pushing at it. We need to be present with and, and make a space for what it is. What do we need to do? Because each of us has a vital part to play. Each of us, every single one of us, and, and the way to find what is our part to play is by finding, moment by moment, who we authentically are. And we find who we authentically are by what brings us the greatest joy and fulfillment. And it doesn't have to take a long time because, you know what, Annie, we've lived that this way far longer than we've lived with our current madness with our current um, you know what I call pathological disconnection it's it's not making people or animals or plants or water well and happy whereas this kind of open exploration and willingness to be led and shown how to do it how to find our way through this and trust that we are finding our way through it, this does make everything happier and healthier
0: mm-hmm. Well you make such a good point about how the way that that moving through the world as though we're not connected to everything is actually the anomaly.
1: Yeah. Even
0: though that is has been the norm in, in this culture for a short period of time, but for most of our for our lifetimes, that that in, in the span of human history it's a very short amount of time.
1: Yeah. And that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I was just at a wonderful 400 women attended a, a, a women's herbal conference in the Midwest, and, you know, I, I, whenever people say traditional medicine, if they're talking about medical AMA medicine, we have to correct them. That's not traditional. Traditional means something. It means of long-standing duration. That is conventional medicine. What we were there teaching each other, that's traditional medicine. And these wise ways of connecting with the land, with the birds, with the animals, with everything, these, these, this is our way through. Without, without this reconnect, this sense of reconnection to one another, which comes automatically when you come into being your authentic self, you don't have to create this. It'll already be there. It'll already be there. Um, without that, with this, through this connectedness with nature, it won't work. But with that, it will. With that, it works moment by moment by moment. And as the groundswell of that builds and we have more of us live, we have to be what we want to see. If I want to, if I want to heal water, I've got to be like water. If I, want, if I want to see more love in this world, then I have to be that love. That's, that's what this is about. This is a, this is a very exciting time. We all, we all came here to be part of this. Well,
0: I think that's a perfect place to to close our conversation. Uh, Thank you so much, Robin, for joining me in conversation and for all of the incredible work that you continue to do to connect people with plants and animals and air and water and with intuition and ritual, all in service of the healing of individuals and communities and the world. Thank you for devoting your life to this work.
1: No, thank you, Annie. And, and I, love, I love the whole notion of your show, Precipice. I think it's fantastic.
0: My guest today has been Robin Rose Bennett, herbalist, teacher, and author of Healing Magic, A Green Witch Guidebook to Conscious Living, and The Gift of Healing Herbs, Plant Medicines, and Home Remedies for a Vibrantly Healthy Life. Next week, Precipice will be back with Riel Miller, head of Foresight at the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. We'll be discussing using the future to make decisions in the present. Please join us for that conversation at this time, 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. It has been such a pleasure to be here with you all today. Thank you for listening in. Until next time, may we be willing to stand at the edge, unblinking, together. I'm Annie Levin, and this is Precipice. Thank you for opening your heart and mind to new ways of seeing, to greater degrees of compassion and to Pathways to Health for Our World with Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Join us next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time to expand your perspective, deepen your attention, and cultivate practices that support personal, communal, and global health on Voice America's health and wellness channel.